You're listening to the Sunday Messages podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been looking at one verse and breaking it apart as we have continued our series on the way. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 6, where he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to me except no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is making an exclusive, powerful statement. And two weeks ago, we looked that Jesus is the way, meaning that we can abide in Christ through Jesus. He is the vine. We're looking at a lot of I am statements that Jesus made in the gospel of John. And he said that in John 15, I am the vine. And and we passed out these three by five cards with three disciplines that I challenged, encouraged you to spend five minutes a day, totaling 15 minutes a day to abide, to remain, to be with God. It's five minutes in worship with a song or in silence, five minutes in the word, reading a chapter of the Bible, and then five minutes praying to God. If you did not get one, there are more in the back, but abiding in God. He is truly the way to God. And then the second thing is last week we looked at he is the truth. We looked at the I am statement that he is the light of the world. In him there is no darkness, but in us there is. And so we need to know the truth and also walk in the light. Bring the darkness out by talking about it and being honest and real with the things that we struggle with. And this morning, we're going to talk about the life. What I love about this statement that Jesus is making is not only the power, but also the context. See, it is a time at the end of Jesus's life. He's in the upper room. He just served communion to his disciples. He's about to go to the cross. And he tells them this in verse one, five verses prior. He says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. See, this verse, it really comes alive when we think about the troubles that come our way, when we think about the trials that we are going with, with uh, going against or the issues that we are facing. I don't know what those are, but we all go through trouble. Jesus said this in John 16, that in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. That's what Jesus is encouraging. I would say commanding us to do. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He's saying this right before he goes to the cross. And so we also have an opportunity to not allow our hearts to be troubled if we truly believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And so let's talk about this life that Jesus offers us. I want you to think about what you thought your life would look like when you were young. Maybe when you were dreaming that perfect Prince Charming that you had in mind, all the qualities that you so badly wanted, that job that would satisfy all your desires and and would bring out the best in you, the children that would obey your every command and respect and honor you before all. Many of us, hopefully, wanted good things. I I remember wanting a good family and a a good home and, and a reliable car, but being enticed by what I saw in this one show, 
Back before social media and YouTube, there were these things called channels that you would turn on. And then whatever was on the TV, you, you had to watch. And uh, there was this one channel called MTV, short for music television. In that channel, there was very little music and there was very bad television. But I loved it. And there was this one show called MTV Cribs. And on this show, if you're wondering, what is that? Well, the rich and famous would open up their double doors to us. You would enter into their mansion. You would see the opulence, the comfort, the grandeur that they would live in. You would see the inside of their fridge and all the best refreshments that this world had to offer. You would see their 14 car garages and their shiny new and expensive and fast cars. You would even go into the bedroom where they would say, this is where the magic happens. And you would say, oh, the life. I want this life, or at least I'm enticed by it. Here's the reality of that life. Really good on the outside, not so good on the inside. Turns out that that was a big lie. A lot of these homes were rentals before Airbnbs. They were like short-term rentals that they said, hey, I'm going to rent this really expensive house so that I can show that I have a lot to offer on the outside. Side. They would literally rent expensive cars so that they could appear to have all of these fancy things. One guy literally asked his richer uncle for his home so that he can use it for the show. And isn't that what happens often in life? We want to look good on the outside, but we lack integrity and wholesome on the inside. The type of life that Jesus wants us to build is an inside out life. It starts with our heart, not with the stuff, not with success, not with sex. It starts with this problem that we have in the heart. See, many of us grew up wanting a good life. None of us said, when I grow up, I, I want to be crippled with anxiety and, and face so many issues at work. I'm going to be fired a couple of times. I, I want to uh, have an estranged relationship with my kids and, and fight with my wife all day long. No one says that. And yet that's what happens so often. We face all sorts of troubles, troubles that we bring upon ourselves, but then also troubles that, that come from the outside and the lives that Jesus wants us to build. Our lives built on the inside out. See, this outward appearance stuff is a human problem. By the way, if you uh, don't come often, I don't normally wear coats. Uh, I didn't think about the outward appearance thing that I'm preaching on today, but I just found that kind of ironic and fun. Um, I, I do have my shirt untucked, so I guess that balances out. You know, I'm not too neatly tied together. But we judge by the outward appearance. Uh, the prophet Samuel did this, and, and when he was tasked to find a king for Israel, he was uh, tasked to find the next guy, and, and the old guy looked really good. He was tall, dark, and handsome, but he didn't work out very good. And so he was tasked to go find the next guy, and uh, he goes to this man's Jesse's home in Bethlehem, actually, where Jesus was also born. And he sees 
the guy. He's got it all put together on the outside. His name is Eliab. We don't know much except for that poor guy. His resume is real short and not so good in, in the Bible. But, but he says this when he says, this is the guy. God says to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. The people, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. So I want us to do a bit of heart surgery today because God wants us to have abundant inside out lives where we are really enduring and persevering through trouble, not in a way that uh, makes it makes the troubles go away, but but in a way that brings glory to God through those Troubles. Why is God this way? Well, one of those reasons we're going to look at next week that anybody, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're from, no matter who you are, is welcome to come to know Jesus and follow him. And then the second thing is that God really wants to shine through imperfect people. He, he really loves to show off in contrast that his power is truly made perfect in weakness. And uh, so for us to really take a deep look into the heart, let's look at this passage in John chapter 11, where we see his power at work and what really animates this inside out type life that God wants us to live. The context is that Jesus is uh, doing what Jesus is doing. He's preaching, he's healing. And then there's a, a good friend of Jesus. His name's Lazarus. He's in trouble. And he's got two sisters, Mary and Martha. And, and they're reaching out to Jesus saying, hey, our brother is sick. In fact, he's dying. Please come. Please help. And, and Jesus actually doesn't go right away. He, he waits. And when people ask him, do you not care? Uh, why aren't you going straight to Lazarus? He says this in verse 4 of John chapter 11. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Here's the thing. Whatever trial, whatever issue, whatever problem that you are facing, God wants to be glorified through it. God wants to do something amazing and teach you and teach others through you and your trial. It's to bring him glory. Jesus again delays. Lazarus dies. And, and I would think if I was writing this, I'd think he went there three days later because, you know, Jesus rose on the third day. But he comes on the fourth day. I don't know why. But he comes to Bethany and Martha, Lazarus' sister, confronts Jesus and, and asks him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have Died. How many of us ask that same question to God all that time? Lord, if, if you would have miraculously healed, if, if you would have shown up in, in, in the way that I wanted you to show up, I wouldn't be enduring this hardship. I wouldn't be in pain. We ask that all the time. And, and then Martha uh, really gives a great disclaimer in verse 22. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus assured her by saying, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered with a great biblical answer. She's showing off how much she really understands. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last 
day. What she's saying is that, like us who believe that once we come to know Jesus, we have an eternity to look forward to. And she's like, no, I know my, my brother is, is in a good place. And at the resurrection of the dead, he, he will rise when God comes down. Jesus uh, comes again to make all things new. But in verse 25, Jesus makes this incredible, awesome statement that I want to look at. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life and the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha believes it. That Jesus isn't only promising us an everlasting life beyond this one, that, that, that our problems will go away when we're in heaven and there's no more sin and there's no more sorrow and there's no more tears. But what Jesus is saying is, no, right now, I am the resurrection and the life. Right now, I'm trying to resurrect something in you. Uh, as, as he goes on and he raises Lazarus from the dead, that is foreshadowing the power of God that rose again on Easter Sunday, March 31st in this room. We will celebrate Easter Sunday, and I cannot wait. Uh, we celebrate it uh, differently here. You hear from two real-life, you hear two real-life stories from the stage, and uh, then we go out there and we drop a bunch of Easter eggs from helicopters, and uh, one helicopter, not helicopters, not multiple, just one. And uh, a fun story, somebody that was here at the 10 o'clock, he was a pilot, his friend was a helicopter pilot, and it's just been a tradition, and it, it is okay to have fun at church. The kids love it, and so do I. I get to rise on Resurrection Sunday on the helicopter, and, and I just think that's that's fun. So uh, we do that. But the truth of Easter Sunday is that every single day is resurrection day. That what God did over 2,000 years ago is still true to this day. Here's how Paul put it in Romans chapter 8 verse 11. He said, he said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do we believe that that is true inside of us if we are in Christ? Do we truly believe no matter how big the problem or the trial that we have resurrection power inside of us? Maybe not to change our circumstance, but to be refined to become more like Jesus, to have more of him. Do we believe that at our Eve Eve gathering? We had three amazing gatherings. It was fun, candlelight service, all the things. And last year, uh, a, a gentleman came up and, and we had a great conversation and, and God was obviously doing something in his life, first time to church. And then this year, a year went by, plugged into a community group serving at the Eve Eve gathering. And so I was walking uh, I was walking out with him and I was expecting something like, hey, I'm so encouraged, this or that. I said, hey, what'd you think? And he said, honestly, I'm, I'm disappointed. And I said, I don't know if I want to be talking to you right now. And uh, he said, I asked why. And, 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 and he said, I felt something incredible last year. I, I had a true encounter with the living God. It was so powerful. And I was expecting to feel something again this year. And then he, later he said, 
that he realized why he didn't have that encounter again this year like he did last year. He said, this year, I already knew him. I already had him in me. The year prior, I got to meet him. And oftentimes we're expecting God to do this incredible thing in our life when we forget that he's already inside us. That when we come to Jesus, he gives us his whole Holy Spirit. See, Jesus rose from the dead. He was here for about 40 days and then he ascended into heaven. And about 10 days later, his Holy Spirit descended and indwelled the life of every believer in Jesus. And sometimes we think, God, this life is not working out the way that I thought it did. My question is, do we believe as Martha believed that he is the resurrection right now and the life right now in you, in me, in us who are in Christ? How do we do this? How do we tap into this resurrection power that is inside of us? How, how do we keep our outward circumstances, the outward appearance from blurring, from blinding us, understanding the power that is within? That's why I brought this. I knew you were wondering, so here we go. Second Corinthians chapter four, Paul writes, and he says this, we now have this light shining in our where? In our hearts, inside. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are like a fragile clay jar. And now the person next to you, go ahead and repeat that. You are like a fragile clay jar. I know you came to church to be encouraged and now you're like, you're calling me a fragile clay jar. The answer is, I'm not. God's word is. You are like a fragile clay jar. But here's the thing. You got to keep reading. Containing this great treasure. You are like a fragile clay jar. Yes. You're imperfect. Yes. You're sensitive. Yes. You're breakable. Yes. You're average. Yes. You're ordinary. Yes. But inside, there is a great treasure. Inside, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves, meaning that we cannot boast in what we've done. We cannot boast in, in this peace that we may have through chaos. All we can do is, is do what Jesus said he would do through Lazarus so that God's glory may be displayed. So we can say, hey, in my power, I cannot, but because I know God, but because I know this resurrection power that lives within me, I can endure, I can persevere, I can shine through this darkness. He goes on to list a, a paradox of living situations. He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed through suffering. Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Did you catch that? Our suffering our suffering allows us to share in the same suffering that Jesus 
shared on the cross when he was uh, enduring the wrath of God, the payment, full payment for the sin of the world so that the life of Jesus can be poured in us and can be seen in our bodies. I wish I could see the heart of Jesus go from this and then on the cross stopped, stopped speeding. And then three days later, we don't know how, but we do know that something happened and that heart began to beat again. And the truth of the gospel is that the heart of Jesus still beats to this day. And if you're in Christ, the heart of Jesus is beating inside of you. His Holy Spirit dwells in you and is animating this life that will bring him glory. Verse 14, Paul writes, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. He's saying this is helpful. This is really practical stuff. It's going to aid as you walk through life and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Do you see that? Oftentimes we look at our troubles and we say, oh Lord, just take them away. Don't you see that God wants to bring glory? He wants, he wants glory to be given to him through these things. Verse, the next verse says, so do not lose heart. Now I'm going to zoom through three points and three questions that I want us to ask ourselves this week. Three points that help us believe that we have resurrection power. Three, three questions to help us answer the same question that Jesus asked to Martha. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do not lose heart. How? Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Though our outer shell is fragile and imperfect and ordinary, inside God is actually reversing us. It's like what the what St. Benedict said in 500 AD. He, there's a quote ascribed to him that says this, day by day, remind yourself that you are going to die. Why? Because even though outwardly we're wasting away, the opposite is happening inside of us. We're actually becoming more alive. We're actually becoming more aware of who God is and who he wants us to become. He allows us to taste life in the face of death, to have safety in times of fear, to have hope in times of despair, to have peace through chaos, joy through misery, passion in apathetic seasons. He allows us to forgive when we are prone to anger and to love when we want to hate. That is what the renewing work of the Spirit of God does in us. How do we know that we are being renewed day by day? I wish it was instantaneous. I wish you can see, whoa, and sometimes it can be, but oftentimes it's day by day. It's slow. And you know, by the fruit of your life. See, there's two types of fruit. There's fleshly fruit and there's spiritual fruit. In Galatians 5, there's the distinction. In Galatians 5, the acts of the flesh 
look like this. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. All of these lead to death, but all of these look real good to us in the short term, but we're narrow-minded. We do not understand that they always lead to death when we are renewed day by day Here is the fruit, love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what it looks like when we are being renewed day by day. Paul writes, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit and many of us think, well, okay, but, it, but, but, but I'll start bearing the fruit of the spirit when, when things are smooth. I'll, I'll start being patient when other people are kind to me or good to me. I'll start loving others when that person stops attacking me. I'll stop having patience when my kids grow up and I don't have to deal with toddlers or, or newborn babies. Here's the beautiful thing about fruit. When you're growing grapes, The best grapes are actually grown when they're under stress. The best wine comes from grapes that are made on a hillside because that stresses the grape and it gives it more flavor. And it's the same way in us. When we are being renewed day by day, we taste best under stress and in times of trouble. That's the first way to not lose heart, to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The second one, verse 17, says this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So we got to weigh the scales. Okay, so this is hard, but it's temporary. How does that contrast with, with the weight of everlasting glory? Okay, this is temporary, but what is the eternal? And more importantly, how is this preparing me for that? James 1 says it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here's a couple of questions. The, the first one is what you got to ask yourself, what fruit is your life producing? The second is how is this trial, this problem, this issue preparing and maturing me? And then the third point comes from verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Man, when we're facing that problem, that trial, that hardship, sometimes that's all that we can see. But we are called to live not by sight, but by faith. In the things that we cannot see, we're called to live by faith, by holding to the hope of that which we cannot see, which is how Hebrews 11.1 defines Faith, And then in Hebrews 12, it says this, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God knows that this is what we're like. He knows our limits and our imperfections. And that is why he gave us the most powerful force of the universe, his Holy Spirit that now lives in us and wants to activate this life. I want to close by looking at Hebrews 12. Yeah, let's ask that question. What distracts me from focusing on Jesus? Let's shed those things that are keeping us from focusing on Jesus. And and I want to turn our attention back to uh, Hebrews 12 where it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy set before him. When we think of the cross, when we think of suffering, when we think of torture, we don't think of joy. So what was the joy that Jesus was setting his mind to? It was, it was this, that nothing after the cross, nothing could now separate the creator from the created. Nothing could separate us from the love of God. The joy before God was you abiding with him and him dwelling in you. What was impossible for a perfect God to be in communion with an imperfect person is now possible because he paid the price of our sin in full and because he conquered death by resurrecting from the dead so that you and I can have that resurrection power here on earth. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that mysterious? Let us stand if you're willing and able and we're gonna close with an exclamation mark in song as we speak the name of Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life over our lives, over our family, over our community. And if you need prayer, I wanna invite you to come up forward. There will be people here to my left, to my right, that are more than willing, excited to partner with you, pray for you and with you. I'd love for you to come up forward and receive prayer. And I also wanna give an invitation to anyone that may be starving, thirsting for this resurrection power. Good news is that we don't have to do anything to earn it. He already did that for us. All we have to do is freely receive it. And so if you bow your head and close your eyes, if that is you and you are ready to give your life to Jesus, Romans 10 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that he rose again from the dead, we will be saved. So I want to encourage you to repeat these words after me and say, Jesus, I give you my life because you gave me yours. I thank you for the cross where you paid the price of my sin in full. I thank you for the resurrection promises me everlasting life. I commit to following you from this day forward. In Jesus' name.
And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.